WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Always live on the free Odyssey app. From the Sherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Live and local from Philadelphia. Free speech lives here. Here. It's Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. And away we go, live on this Tuesday, February 27th. It is indeed Kale and Company right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We are always live on the free Odyssey app. And of course, streaming live. For your video viewing pleasure on YouTube as we head until 10 o'clock this morning. 855-839-1210, the phone number on social media at 1210WPHT. I am at Nick Kale, Don Stenzlin with the news, Greg Stocker, the chairman of the board, Phil Omquist, Anthony Dorenzo, our associate producers. Michigan primary today, the first swing state gets underway at 7 a.m. Central Time. Dawn, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Happy Tuesday. Gregory. Yeah, buddy. Tuesday. Tuesday. Primary day in America. Wow, very exciting. Very yes. exciting. They're no. also saying that they might not have the results until noon tomorrow. Why? I was thinking they would call it at 8.02 Eastern. <laughs> in all seriousness, this is really the first real test to see how the swing states might play out. Might yeah. play out. Might play out. Might play out. Yes. We got a lot of good things to get to this morning as Trump and Haley head to the, I guess they call it the Wolverine State. They also call it the Great Lake State. They've got multiple names for the state of Michigan. It's- I like to refer to it as the state that usually loses to Ohio State around Thanksgiving. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, the path and the math for Trump in the general election, assuming everything goes as planned, in the primaries. We'll get to that this morning in the big take. Also, some incredible polling numbers with Trump, with convictions, with the wall. And also, how about this? Joe Biden and Donald Trump visiting the southern border on Thursday. Same day, <laughs> although different places in different times. Yeah, I was going to say, the president's going to Brownsville, Texas, isn't he? Yes, and Trump's going to Eagle Pass. Interesting. Very interesting. Maybe they'll stop together and get a snow cone on the way down. (laughs) We shall see. We've got more fallout from Shane Gillis. We have more fallout and media malpractice from Lake and Riley, as we will get to those stories this morning. A lot of nerdy numbers, but necessary stuff in the first 35 minutes of the show, as I will explain. A cut sheet as well, and so much more. Also, Mary Poppins in the news. Yeah. How about that? In the news. In the news. Mary Poppins. Wow. I haven't heard the word Mary Poppins since 1990. (laughs) We will get to that as well. But let's get to the news right out of the gate. 6.02 on this Tuesday morning. The great Don Stensland. And good morning. Yes, 38 degrees. We'll see a beautiful sunrise today on this Tuesday, February 27th. But near record temperatures. We'll tell you about that in a moment. According to Philadelphia Police, an innocent bystander was one of the victims of a triple shooting in Philadelphia, Strawberry Mansion section, where police say at least 28 gunshots were fired, 27th in Montgomery last night. 21-year-old man sitting on the couch inside his home, minding his own business on Marston Street, shot in the leg when one of these bullets that was shot out on the street pierced through the wall 
of his home. He was rushed to Einstein Hospital where he's in stable condition. We know that from police, uh, the 25-year-old man found shot in the arm and another man, a 25-year-old shot in his arm and his leg also taken to Einstein. Police say a third victim showed up at Temple University Hospital with wounds to his leg and his mouth. And that guy is in critical condition. But they say these amazing doctors who are much like, they're much like combat war zone doctors at this point. Well, that's they, what Philadelphia is. Yeah. It's a combat war zone. So these uh, emergency department doctors are, it looks, by all accounts, they're saying that the, the, the guy in critical condition expected to survive. So a guy's sitting on his couch watching Jeopardy, and a bullet flies through a brick in his house yeah. and hits him in the arm. That's something crazy. He, that's something he probably wasn't anticipating when he woke up yesterday. <sighs> Not always sunny in Philadelphia. No. So, speaking of which, for the I believe this is for the sixth time this year in our region, we have the headline, Searching for an Escapee. Yes, Philadelphia police searching for a handcuffed prisoner who outran the officers, by the way, while escaping and escaped from a hospital in the city's Kensington section. So, he's identified as 29-year-old Aleem Borden, who was in custody for car theft, and he took off while being discharged from Episcopal Hospital. That happened Monday morning, mid-morning. So I don't think I had this story yesterday during Kale & Company. I think we had it starting you know, mid-morning yesterday. But this guy, according to police, outran those officers. He had the handcuffs on and disappeared somewhere in the 2700 block of Hancock Street. How do you, how do you outrun multiple officers while your hands are tied up? I mean, when they teach you how to run at, like, if you've ever been to, like, a, a running camp for, like, a sport to get bigger, faster, stronger, as they would say, they teach you that a lot of the speed that you build up running is by pumping your arms. Mm-hmm. And here's this guy running down the street with his hands cuffed. Yeah. And he outruns multiple officers. Well, luckily, they just so happen to have a mugshot on file of this guy. Okay. Uh, his time's limited. Multiple priors and car theft was what he was arrested for this time around which it sounds like uh, not the first time he was accused of that. Shocking. Yeah. Uh, community leaders holding that big meeting. We talked about this yesterday. So this is a Kalen Company news follow-up. This big meeting last night to see if the Jenkintown Police Department, and this is Montgomery County just outside Philadelphia, obviously, should they close the police department? So this is a small community, historic tight-knit community. They have an 11-member force, I believe 10 or full-time and it, they, this cost them half of the entire budget. So their, their uh, community leaders there, city leaders, say it's not worth it. It would be much more efficient to just contract the work out to Abington or Cheltenham Police. They've received the plans from uh, those nearby police departments, but many in the community saying, don't do it. They're not for it. They don't want to dissolve or defund the police. So as of this very moment, they are still an active operational unit? Yes. Okay. But um, but it's it's more than half of their budget, and they have a lot of rising costs. Mm. So we've got that going on. Uh, just a couple of heads up for you. There are four different bridges in Philadelphia that are, are now set to get these license plate scanners. And so this is the Delaware, Delaware River Port Authority bridges in the Philadelphia region. The Ben Franklin, Walt Whitman, Betsy Ross, Commodore Barry. 
Cameras on those bridges are going to help police locate cars in criminal investigations, as well as Amber Alerts and Homeland Security. So they'll be monitored by the New Jersey State Police. No word yet on when the cameras will be installed. So we've talked a lot about carjackings and different situations where they go for the bridge and go across to New Jersey. And we know the recent one, what was that last Friday we learned about, that was a federal investigation working with locals in which they were shipping the cars to all the way to Africa. <laughs> That's a remarkable yeah. story, shipping the cars. So, Nick, I don't know if this particular situation perhaps was in the works, but it just strikes me that they're confirming this today at just as that news broke of a major ring of thieves. Mm-hmm. So, Seems like point- a good time for them, I guess, right? Yes. And speaking of New Jersey, just some headlines for you. Andy Kim, who's taking on Governor Phil Murphy's wife, Tammy, First Lady Tammy Murphy, who they're both uh, vying for the Senate seat that left that's left vacant by, as you call him, Goldbar Bob, uh, Bob Menendez. So Andy Kim now is essentially calling, filing a lawsuit, basically saying the system is rigged. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Uh oh. Rigged system. Fake elections. Oh no. So those are lock my, them up. Wait, wait, wait. Those are my words. But if you look at the lawsuit, uh-huh. he's essentially saying. It's a rigged deal by the, the way, way that they're putting the ballots. By the way, this is something I won't say very often, but Andy Kim is actually right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? For now on, moving forward in life, especially in radio, if I ever lose, which I don't lose in radio, so I guess I won't ever have to deal with it. But if I ever do, I'm just going to say the system's rigged. Well, yeah, the system is kind of rigged. <laughs> it is. That's fake. It's fake. We did better than we really, they told us. So he filed the suit challenging... Uh, a line, basically, in New, in the New Jersey Senate, or taking a line, if you will, in the Senate race against Tammy Murphy, saying that um, in New Jersey primaries, candidates for all races who got the county party's endorsement, they got together rather than grouping candidates who are running for that same position. So he's saying they're aligning this in favor of Tammy Murphy, essentially. Oh, boy. Oh boy. So, yeah, we got... Wow. New Jersey's the only state in the country that allows county parties to endorse a candidate and run them on a slate that then will bunch all of the endorsed candidates in various races together on the primary ballot. <laughs> what a system. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like the teacher's patch or the faves, they get the top billing. Sure. Yeah. And well, so it yeah. might even be confusing to you. Are I you saying that- Tammy Murphy's a fave? She's a fave of fave. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dawn, after uh, after Andy has made this accusation, I think as you get together with the Murphys for dinner, as, as you do every Friday, I think right. you should get Tammy on record and see what her rebuttal is. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, she's sleeping with the boss. Yeah. So, you know, what okay. am I going to... She has wink, a leg wink. up. Yeah. Oh. Or some would, say, some would say two. Two. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to get moving out of here. I just want to give you the forecast really quick here. Kale and Company News Live. You're going to love the forecast this morning. The sun comes out and near record temperatures today and tomorrow. So we're in the 60s, friends. I mean, just absolutely gorgeous forecast for you today and tomorrow as far as the weather warmth. <clears throat> but it's going to be wet and warm. So that's wet. If you like it wet and warm, good yeah. for you. If you've done any early planting or that sort of thing, we're looking to pound it. You can, oh and then wow. do six, like a dry rub. That was from a cooking already. segment. Yeah, cooking 11. segment. No dry rub when it rains. We're already. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. 
64 today and tomorrow 65. <laughs> the rain moves in this evening and then tomorrow like I say 65 degrees but very the winds move in yeah. and some storms move through and then a cool down coming for the weekend. Kellen Company News Live. All right, Don, thank you very much. 612 on this Tuesday morning time for another big take. The big take on Kellen Company. All right, the big take this morning, primary dominance, but general concern. For Donald Trump, the primary was never in doubt. Sure, there was a brief period where Ron DeSantis became the new shiny object of affection for some, myself included. But everybody has known since the day that Donald Trump declared his intentions to run for president again that the primary was going to be his. The Republican Party is his until it isn't. And even as he has now taken Iowa, Nevada, New Hampshire, and South Carolina to the tune of four zip in the GOP primaries, the question remains valid to this day. Can he defeat Joe Biden in a general election? Is there a path? And what is the math? We already know the deck is stacked against him. Media coverage, not a fair fight. Two-tier justice system, third world banana republic. Court cases, weaponized DOJs, politicized prosecutors. It really is Trump and MAGA nation against the world. And when you look at the issues, it's also not even close. Economy, inflation, energy, the border, crime, world peace, all favor Donald J. Trump. Age and mental stamina, as well as physical stature, also favors Donald Trump. Joe Biden has abortion on his side which is a legit issue. He also has hyperbole when it comes to democracy and dictatorship, which a small portion of Americans take the bait on, but I think most know it's all rhetoric. Biden also has big tech, social media, and Hollywood on his side. But Trump is winning with Latinos and has gained a solid chunk of black voters that he didn't have eight years ago, and he didn't even have four years ago. Politico wrote an interesting column, though, with the headline that reads as follows. Hidden in Trump's big South Carolina win, a not-so-small problem for him in November. Trump drew closer to the nomination but showed signs of potential weakness. Politico goes on to write the following. Here was Haley, the first candidate to get Trump in a head-to-head matchup, and she could not deliver, neither in moderate New Hampshire nor her home state. But Trump's effortless win in the Palmetto State, he visited just three times in recent weeks, four if you count a fundraiser, was as much of a demonstration of his total control of the party as it was South Carolinians' repudiation of Haley. But Trump has a weak spot. It's GOP primary voters who believe President Joe Biden legitimately won the 2020 election, which, as Politico says, he did, or who think Trump would not be fit for the presidency if convicted of a crime. A large majority of those voters were with Nikki Haley. Her problem is that they were just over a third of the overall electorate in both questions. Behind every silver lining, Politico says, there has been a cloud for Trump during the GOP primary. And otherwise, sunny South Carolina proved no exception. With about three-quarters of the expected vote in, some 40% of voters had rejected Donald Trump. That number itself isn't a problem in a primary, but it includes some serious reasons for concern in a general election. Trump lost moderate and liberal voters to Haley by a wide margin, according to the exit polls. And according to the AP vote cast, 
A bit over one in five GOP primary voters said they would not vote for Trump in November if he was the party's nominee. So a legit question and concern has been raised. And it was also discussed by Joe Scarborough on The Morning Joe on MSNBC. And I can't believe I just echoed those words, but it's true. Can Trump win over voters within the Republican Party that he's already claimed he wants no part of? Which also contradicts, in my opinion, his claim last weekend that the GOP is more united than ever. You can't be more united than ever if you're rejecting some within the party. Listen and watch Joe on MSNBC. Because Nikki Haley is warning everybody that Donald Trump's going to lose in the fall, in part because he's saying, hey, anybody that supports Nikki Haley, we don't want him here. Anybody that supports... And you know what? I have found if you insult voters and tell them you don't want their vote, (laughs) you don't get it. And the reason you know where I'm going here, it cost Carrie Lake the governorship of Arizona when she said, I don't want John McCain supporters. McCain Republicans are not welcome in the party. We don't want your vote. So she didn't get it and she lost. Now history seems to be repeating itself. It has all of the echoes. I remember standing there in Arizona as she was talking about the McCain, saying also, it was not just John McCain, saying that Cindy McCain, his wife, wanted an end to America. It's one thing, in my opinion, to be anti-old-school, old-guard Republican from our elected officials. I personally, I want nothing to do with the McCains, the Bushes, the Chris Christies of the world, the Nikki Haley's. But as a Trump supporter and voter, I absolutely want those people out there in society that are still a believer in that old guard voting for Donald Trump. It's absolutely foolish not to want them to vote for Trump and be a part of the movement because we're looking at an election four years ago that was determined by a total of 44,000 votes in a razor thin election. That's victory suicide. Every single vote counts. But what is Trump's path and what is the math? Let's get real nerdy here, shall we? So let's assume that 44 states remain as is with Republicans and Democrats, red and blue states. Let's say it comes down to these six swing states, Nevada, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, and Pennsylvania. If Trump can win four of the six, it's a formality that he wins. If Trump can win three of the six, depending on the three It's likely his election as well. Keep in mind, in 2020, Joe Biden carried 25 states. Donald Trump carried 25 states. So let's do some basic math, shall we? Biden won with 306 electoral college votes. Trump had 232 electoral college votes. The key number, as we all know, is 270. Now, Nevada is worth six electoral college votes. Wisconsin worth 10 Arizona is worth 11, Michigan and Georgia are worth 16, and Pennsylvania is worth 20. Biden won all six of those in 2020, which totals up to 73 electoral college votes. In total, he won the election by 74 electoral college votes. So now we know what each state is worth if you win said state. Let's look at the margin of victory in 2020 in each of those six swing states. Biden took Arizona by about 10,000 votes. Biden took Georgia by about 11,000. Biden carried Wisconsin by about 20,000. 
The bigger margins of victory occurred in the other three states, where Joe won by the following. Nevada by 33,000, Pennsylvania by 80,000, and Michigan by 154,000. If Donald Trump wins three of the six swing states, and those states are the most valuable, that being Michigan, Georgia, and Pennsylvania, Donald Trump would have 284 electoral college votes. Joe Biden would be sitting on 252. Donald Trump is your winner. If Trump takes Pennsylvania and either Michigan or Georgia, two out of the three, plus two out of three states, such as Nevada, Wisconsin, and Arizona, totaling to be four out of six total swing states, Trump would win as well, but by a closer margin than the first scenario I just gave you. It's like a math puzzle. It's like a Rubik's Cube. Just take the numbers I just gave you, the six states, what they're worth, and how many votes Biden won in uh, 2020, and play with the different scenarios yourself. There's a path, and there's math. But there's also concerns that Donald Trump could be his own worst nightmare. And maybe Trump is the only one who can derail Trump, especially if he is not welcoming in everybody to vote for him in 2024. And that's the big take. The Big Take on Kale and Company. All right, Big Take this morning is brought to you by Budget Blinds, budgetblinds.com, your one-stop shop for blinds, shades, shutters, custom drapery, and motorization, free in-home consultations, and the only no-questions-asked warranty in the business. Ask about their exclusive inspired collection online at budgetblinds.com. You can jump in, 855-839-1210, on social media, at 1210WPHT, and, of course, on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Hit the like and subscribe button and join the Kale and Company comment community. We'll come back, get some thoughts on that, and then also what the latest projections look like for Donald Trump in all of the swing states, as well as how does that change if Trump gets convicted in any of his three big cases? We'll get to that as we continue. Kale and Company, Nick Dawn and Greg on a Tuesday morning on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. It's Kale and Company On Demand. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app. Watch us live on YouTube. And, of course, you can be a part of the show at 855-839-1210. So today, the first swing state on the schedule as Donald Trump and Nikki Haley, also Democrats as well, in Michigan for their primary today as the polls open at 7 a.m. local time in Michigan. I believe Michigan is central time, if I recall. No, it's Eastern. So is it yeah, Eastern? Somebody said that on the uh, oh. chat earlier. All right, so 30 minutes out. 30 minutes out, the polling opens in Michigan, and they are... And keep in mind, too, Michigan was also one of the states, if you go back to December around the holidays, Michigan, I think it was when we were on break for Christmas, the Michigan Supreme Court rejected the appeal uh, by a group of voters because they wanted to remove Trump from the ballot for you know the insurrection clause under the Constitution. So this is one of those states that tried to pull the fast one and get Trump yanked off the ballot. Uh, they are saying that polling will close around 8 o'clock tonight, Eastern Time, uh, Uh, And also that they will not expect certain counties to have results until after 9 p.m. Eastern. A spokesperson for the Michigan Department of State told CBS News that unofficial results are expected by 12 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. So if that is the case and Fox News or nobody else calls it tonight, obviously, uh, we'll talk about it and speculate and base uh, base our conversation at 630 tomorrow, um, you know, off of. 
whatever percentage of the vote is in, but probably not a big take on that tomorrow if they don't have it officially in in time. Um, but I'm curious. I want to get your guys' thoughts on this because it's not too often that I agree with Joe Scarborough and whoever that was in his uh, panelist as his guest. But I did think that Politico brought up an interesting conversation. And I, I, I'm still stuck on, and I think I mentioned this yesterday on the show, Trump over the weekend, it was either at CPAC on Friday or after he defeated Nikki Haley in South Carolina on Saturday night, where he said the Republican Party has never been more united. I'd like to believe that. I don't think that's necessarily the, the truth. But I would say this with Trump. You know, I don't like the old guard either. But, you know, much like I expect my politicians who drop out, Ron DeSantis or Tim Scott or Vivek Ramaswamy and eventually Nikki Haley, I want you to back Donald Trump. I want you to publicly come out and support and endorse Donald Trump. So I think it's reciprocal as far as Trump when you're talking about Nikki Haley's supporters, because I think ultimately at the end of the day, Nikki supporters, DeSantis supporters, they probably like some if not a majority of Trump's policies, they probably just wanted something different for whatever reason. Age, threat to democracy, I don't like his tweets. But generally speaking, I think most Republicans that are not enamored with Trump still like the results of his first three years, still like the policies. They might not just like the entire package, but they might like 75 or 80% of it. So I don't understand why you would want to shun those people, especially in what should be a closer election than it was in 2020. Do you guys agree that this is a bad tactic to not welcome in and embrace everybody on the right-hand side of the aisle? I think it is. And, you know, far be it for me to tell Trump what to do, you know, his his consultants might not be able to get through to him. But I would embrace, I would be like open arms. Nikki Haley's, Nikki Haley supporters, come to Papa. I welcome you. Because I want to beat Joe so bad. And if you don't do that, the alternative is this brain-dead nitwit might win again. I think that Trump does need to have a unifying message, and he will. But right now, I think he's dealing with Democrats who are voting for her, never Trumpers. Yeah. And so as long as she's – that's why by Nikki Haley prolonging this, it's like – um you know, it's it's like a slow breakup or something. Just get it, get it, get it done. It's a slow death. It, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 this is inevitable. She's not going to win. But that's the thing you mentioned: Democrats and and never Trumpers. That's the thing that's infuriating with me with these open primaries, seeing these people come in. But as Politico framed it, this does go to show that he does have a bit of a weakness. Now, I don't know if he can even overcome that weakness with what he says. I don't know if a certain vice president chips away at that weakness i'd like to think think so but history has shown us that the vice president really doesn't make that big of a difference although although kamala harris as bad as she is the fact that she was on joe's ticket might have helped in 2020 because they're like well wow all right here we go we have a, we have a black female running for vice president this is a historic first maybe there were people in 2020 that were like I don't really care for Joe Biden, but I'm voting for Biden because he's got a black female vice president, and that represents progress. Now, there was this report yesterday that it's Christy Nome that he's going to name Christy Nome. You buying that? I from from what I hear within the campaign, he changes he changes. His, he's thinking about it. 
It changes his mind every day. Do you think he actually knows, or he's really waffling over this? I think he is. I to I'll be. I on one side. On one side, I wish he would just pick the Veep because that would draw everybody's attention. Everybody would. For example, if he picked, let's say, Christy Nome, mm-hmm. everybody's going to be talking about Christy Nome, and then psh, nobody's talking about Nikki. Yep. Right. Right. On the other hand, I wish he'd wait a bit. I, I thought, do. I do wish he'd wait a bit. I, I've seen those reports too about her, but I, I also listened to Tulsi Gabbard with Zioli on Friday, and uh, I thought she came off really well. I, I if I had to rank them right now, I, I would put Tulsi first for me personally. The only thing I can definitively say with absolute one hundred percent conviction, it will not be a white guy. That I can take to the bank. I think it will either be a female or a minority man, either Vivek, Tim Scott. Whoever else will be in that category, or it'll be Christy Nome, it'll be Tulsi Gabbard, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, Elise Stefanik. It will either be a female or it will be a minority male. Isn't it amazing, though, that the, the, the truth is, I think some of the best candidates for the Veep job happen to be women and minorities. I, I agree. Just, right? So it just shows you that the Republican Party is more diverse. There's such an opportunity here, and perhaps because he has all this talent, and a lot of these individuals are not even 40 or early to mid-40s, so he has all of that. Why not announce your lineup? I mean, why not, if you're going to do that... I think that would energize, right? Yeah, figure out your lineup, and that way, and even if Nikki concedes, like, you know, sometimes if you give somebody a window... You know, maybe she does. It's tough, as we've talked about and interviewed different people who say, you know, when you're in it, you're and you're living in. It's very difficult to get out of a campaign. Everybody to a person says this. And Trump, what did he say? It with you had sound of it within the last week. You know, she doesn't know how to get out. Everybody talks about that as can. Mm-hmm. So give her that window. You know, give her a big position within the administration. Name your lineup. Yep. Your starting lineup. So it's not just Trump up there. Yep. And then make this huge speech about unifying the party because there's too much at stake. I, You know what I would do? And I, I thought about this yesterday. Not only would I announce my VP, not only would I announce a female VP, I would announce my female VP at a rally for Lake and Riley in Athens, Georgia. You want to talk about trying to win over some females in a demographic that might cost you the election post Roe v. Wade? Go to a swing state like Georgia and talk about how not, not only that you're going to shut down the border and build the wall and all of that, but get the back of a female that was snuffed out at 22 years old by an illegal immigrant that had no business being in this country. And watch how that 10,000 vote the disparity from 2020 that favored Joe Biden flips to Donald Trump. These are the things that you need to be thinking about right now. You got your base. Don't don't select a VP that's just going to uh, pander to the people that you already have. Find a little sliver. Find that little margin that didn't go your way four years ago and flip it back to the way it was in 2016 when you took said swing state when they rejected Hillary Clinton because they said, I don't want a third Clinton term. That's what I would be looking at. I saw this from uh, Decision Decision Desk HQ from the leading report. Now, I don't believe that this is true. Uh, If this is true, this is going to be like a victory like we have never seen before. But they are projecting Donald Trump to get 312 votes in the Electoral College and beat Joe Biden 
312 to 226. And they have Trump sweeping the swing states. All seven of them, if you want to throw in North Carolina, or as I, I think Carolina is a formality and a lock for Trump. They have a, a graphic. You can see it on YouTube right now if you're watching on uh, your computer, and you guys can see it as well on the monitors here. And the the light shade of pink is lean GOP. I feel like Steve Kornacki right now on NBC. <laughs> Give me a Red Bull right now in a bad suit, and let me get it, let me get it on camera. Um, lean GOP is pink. Likely GOP is like a darker, like a salmon. And then, of course, you have safe GOP, which is red. And if you're looking at this, it says... Pennsylvania leaning GOP, Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan leaning GOP, Georgia even stronger likely GOP, which I find interesting. So let's let's look at Michigan leaning GOP. Michigan primary is today, and then of course you have Pennsylvania leaning GOP. That's my big concern because Pennsylvania of the six swing states is the most valuable possession to Donald Trump and and Joe Biden, for that matter, because it carries, I think, either 19 or 20 votes in the Electoral College. It's more than Michigan, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, and Nevada. If Trump can win PA, his odds go up significantly to win the general election. So although I will say this, I am concerned about whether I think he's got a shot in Georgia. It's 10, 11,000 votes. Same thing with Arizona and Nevada. My biggest concerns are Pennsylvania and Michigan. Biden by 80,000 in 2020 in PA, 154,000 in 2020 in Michigan. And here's, and you say, well, why are you concerned about PA, Nick? Why? Here's what bothers me. And Don, you, you could speak to this very well because you pay attention to a lot of things that are going on in Bucks County. What have we seen over the last couple of years in Bucks County? We've seen a swing from where it was to what it is now with going Democrat and going blue. Bucks County, to my knowledge, and if, if I'm wrong, somebody please correct me. I believe Bucks County is the third biggest county in the state of Pennsylvania. I think the top three counties are Philadelphia County, Allegheny County, which is out towards Pittsburgh, and then Bucks County is number three. If, bigger than Montgomery? Really? Yeah, I think Bucks is bigger than Montgomery. Is it? Okay. I believe Bucks County yeah. is the third biggest county in the state. I'm okay. sure if um, I'm wrong, somebody will let us know on YouTube in <laughs> about nine seconds. They'll, they'll let me know. Is your they county the bigger race. than mine? Yes. <laughs> Is that a big county in your, or is you just happy to, anyway. Fourth most popular. Well, here's the thing. See, now we can, you're going to get everybody calling about this. Because it's the fourth most populous county. Uh But as far as geographically, you see what I'm saying? So I'm kind of (laughs) right. <laughs> Kale and Company, we're kind of right. Hey, that's a promo. <laughs> that's a T-shirt. Let's get it manufactured. Let's get it produced. Uh, Let's crank it out. Okay, there we go. All right, so uh, that's where they're they're not, again. I don't think that Trump will take all six swing states. If he does, um, I might do cartwheels like Chris Farley with my shirt off. Um, but then, lastly, uh, I thought this was interesting yesterday. And again, you take it for what it's worth. It's polling. You take it with a grain of salt. Um, the latest Harvard Harris poll came out, and they asked these respondents about convictions for Donald Trump. And I think this really speaks volumes about where people are with Joe, with the border with the cost of living, despite what people are claiming with the stock market, the Dow Jones at 39000 Most Americans don't play the stock market, so I never thought it was a great indicator of the economy. It's not. So in 2024, the general election, here's the three questions. If Donald Trump is convicted for inciting the Capitol riots of January 6th, who would you vote for? 
54% still would vote for Trump. You can see this uh, pie chart and graphic on YouTube right now. Trump by eight points over Biden, even if convicted for January 6th. If Trump is convicted for RICO in trying to influence the 2020 election results in Georgia, our Fonnie Willis case, Trump plus four still if convicted. And if Trump is convicted of crimes related to classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, it's still 50-50, a coin flip. Now, again, it's 2,000 respondents over a two-day poll by Harvard and Harris. It is what it is. But I do think that speaks volumes of what people think right now of Joe, where I, I think there's a lot of fodder and speculation on talk shows like this one about Trump's criminal cases. But I think there's a sizable portion of Americans out there and I think we've even discussed this back in the fall or the summer months, that most people aren't going to be swayed by any of these legal cases for Trump or Biden, for that matter, which I think speaks a lot about either people have completely become fatigued by both of them or they just hate the other guy so much that they don't care what their guy's accused of doing. Since you mentioned Bucks County, I will say this mm-hmm. in Bucks County, I think and even I'll take you back to. Um, I'll, I'll even take you back to the election with Mastriano Shapiro, that one. Mm-hmm. I often think that Republicans, that I, I think this, the Democrats get out their message early. They tend to air commercials where they try to, where they try to box in and define the Republican. Mm-hmm. And so voters sometimes don't really know, hey, you Republican, what do you, what are you for? What do you really stand for? And I think that for Republicans, whether it's statewide, for example, you know, think about right now, Bob, you know, Bob Casey Jr. is getting a run for his money, right? And we've talked a lot about this race, but what is he, you know, what have you done for me? And, and now what, what are the Republicans going to do for me? What are the issues? Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, well, we're against so and so, talk about what we're for. Yeah. And it also exposes then, as far as the Biden administration, the failures of the administration. You had asked about Bucks County and looking at their voter registration, just how close it is. It's Democrat voter registration in Bucks County. You're looking at about 198,000. I'm rounding up. Mm-hmm. Republicans, about 194. Yeah, it's others, very, very close. Others, 79,000. Wow. So you have that into that when we talk about the sliver, there's yeah, your sliver. That's a chunk, right? And so they the last elections, I was looking at their voter turnout. Okay, the last one in November was forty two and a half percent, but before that, in May of twenty three, only twenty, not even twenty two percent. Yeah. Um. So what do you get people to come out? And and so this whole thing for Republicans saying that your vote doesn't matter, elections were stolen. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think that a lot of people are staying home. They're not energized. So tell unite the party, and this is across the board, mm-hmm. locally, statewide, na- nationally. Yep. And Dave McCormick, what is Dave McCormick? What do you really stand for? Yeah. What do you, you know? What What are you passionate about? You know, if you want to really hit home with a lot of the people that are out there on the fence, and you want a simple message, if you're Trump and you're the Republican Party, I would just simply craft a message under under Donald Trump or with us. You had more money in your pocket. You had safer streets and a safer nation with a closed border or a much more protected. And and you could do that in thirty seconds. 
and the light bulb might go off for somebody. So 855-839-1210. The number coming up next, both the former president and the current president head down to the border on Thursday, and we have a record first when it comes to the wall. We'll get to that as we continue wrapping up the 6 o'clock hour next here on Kale & Company. You've heard me talk about my friends from Piazza Premium Automobiles and the Piazza Auto Group as well. They continue to grow their luxury collection of brands. And right now, so excited to welcome in these two newest members to the Piazza family of dealerships, Infinity Ardmore, as well as Maserati of the Mainline, both located right there on Lancaster Avenue. Of course, you're going to receive the very same first-class customer experience that you've come to expect from the Piazza Auto Group and the family of dealerships, as well as Piazza Premium Automobiles. So find your new or certified pre-owned Infiniti, Maserati, or other Piazza luxury brands like Jaguar, Land Rover, Mercedes-Benz, BMW, and more. PiazzaPremiumAutos.com, P-I-A-Z-Z-A, PiazzaPremiumAutos.com. Tell them Dawn sent you. This is the Kale and Company Podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and on the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Dawn will have some news to kick off Hour 2 and also more fallout from Shane Gillis being on SNL and also the terrible tragedy with Lake and Riley in Athens, Georgia, both from a media perspective. We'll get to that. Before we get to the cut sheet, but coming up on Thursday, uh, Donald Trump will be coming off of a victory speech on Wednesday in Michigan, presumably, and then both he and the current president, Joe Biden, will both visit the border on the same day, this Thursday. Joe Biden saying yesterday, quote, I planned it for Thursday. What I didn't know was that my good friend, apparently, is going as well. Biden told reporters yesterday in New York when he stopped for ice cream after taping an appearance on the Seth Meyers Late Night Show. And by the way, if you uh, had that he would go on Seth Meyers Late Night Show and have a brain fart in your bingo, uh, you'd be correct. Cut sheet 745? 745. Okay. I see exactly where you're going. Uh, So now what about these two guys? Well, Biden will go to Brownsville, Texas on Thursday. Trump will be going to Eagle Pass. The two, apparently, according to the Daily Mail, will not cross paths. Uh, Trump will visit Eagle Pass on Thursday where he will blast Biden, obviously, on the record high number of illegal crossings. And certainly, I think he will be discussing what happened with uh, Lake and Riley, the 22-year-old nursing student at the University of Georgia, which I think really is now the tipping point and the breaking point for immigration, for the border, for the safety and security of Americans. And for the first time ever, a historic first, believe it or not, it took eight years. It took until early 2024 for a majority of Americans to actually be in agreement with the border wall. It took 2.3 million and 1.7 million and 961,000 in the first seven weeks of this year to finally have it occur. But the Monmouth University poll asking about the, the, uh, the border wall, according to the survey released yesterday, 53% say they are now in favor of con- finish, uh, finishing construction on the border wall. It only took 7.3 million illegal immigrants in three years and two months for Americans to finally wake up. I I can't wait for when the point we get to a poll and we all realize that, you know what, maybe we need to put alligators in the modes. Uh, We need to put barbed wire. We need to do. I was watching a video yesterday. By the way, have you guys seen the the wall 
in the Middle East that separates Gaza from Israel? Have you guys seen the way they patrol it and how high it is? I don't know what the numbers are, but it looks incredibly effective. What a concept. In the Middle East, they have a wall. Yet the United States of America, we have what looks like somebody's backyard in Bucks County with busted fences and pieces of wood missing, chipmunks sliding through. <laughs> this is... It's unbelievable. That sounds like my fence. Is that your fence? <laughs> oh, I need God. a new fence. Uh, well, you're the one that would probably have to fix it. Yeah. Well, no. Oh. If there's anybody listening right now that has a fence company and would I like know, to I advertise need... on 1210 WPHD, yes. uh, email at odyssey.com. That's or we could do deer hunting in Dawn's yard. Either either way. Yeah, I'll go out on your porch with a shotgun. No, like eight, like deer, eight de- deer in my yard yesterday. A deer came up to almost my front porch yesterday. It's crazy. So, yeah. They're just getting aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're getting aggressive at the border, and that's why 53% want a wall now, so awesome. All right, 855-839-1210. Dawn will have some news to kick off hour number two. And the Los Angeles Times says SNL has not learned about the hate era that Donald Trump created. (laughs) Hour two is next. Stay there. Start your day with Kale and Company, weekday mornings 6 till 10, on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and the free Odyssey app.